Welcome to Inspiring Salon Professionals, the podcast that allows every therapist, nail tech and stylist to level up, build their career and reach for their dreams. Each week we'll be looking at a different area of the industry and along the way I'll be chatting with salon owners, industry leaders and mentors who'll be sharing their stories on how they achieved their goals and made their successes. I'm Sue Davies, your host, award-winning salon owner and industry professional. Welcome to Inspiring Salon Professionals. In this week's episode, we're looking at the third part of the little mini-series I've been doing on how you can work within the industry. And this week, we're going to look at home salons. There's a few ways you can do this, and uh, we'll just run through those as we begin. Um, Home salon has kind of become a really massive part of our industry over the last few years. I had my home salon, which I opened about 15 years ago, and I was open um, in that way for about four and a half years before I took on my commercial premises and it's a really really amazing way of working if you've got a family that you need to be available for um, if you don't want to pay overheads of commercial premises and if you just want a little bit more added flexibility in your career home salons come in many guises and it can be anything from working at your kitchen table Um, through to having a luxury cabin in your garden and everything in between. There is no real rhyme or reason to what is best for you. My personal choice would always be a separate area where your clients can't be interrupted in their treatments and that your family also don't get interrupted in their day-to-day life. So cabins are, are one of the best ways of doing that. Also maybe having a dedicated area or dedicated room in your house that is private and separate from family, pets, kids and all that kind of stuff and maybe even from the doorbell ringing. But uh, what we're going to look at today is over and above all of the different options and how you can work in your own premises are some of the things that um that people need to know about setting up in business in a home environment. And as I say, that doesn't really matter whether you're working at your kitchen table or whether you have like the latest luxury cabin in your garden that's been fully kitted out and is, you know, the equivalent of walking into a high street salon, but just coming through your garden gate. So the first thing you need to look at really is um, your location and where you're going to be. Get that set and sorted and make sure that you um, have all of the plans in place to make sure that you can facilitate the best way of doing that for your clients so if you you know make sure you've got like a nice nail desk or a nice couch you know you need to make it as welcoming as you possibly can for your clients and also think about um, you know if you're going to be doing this from home where are people going to park this can have a knock-on effect to your neighbors if you're in a tightly parked area I know house I used to live in we had terrible parking problems but one of the most important things that you'll need to do is get permission potentially if you own your own house outright then obviously you can do um, what you choose with that property and the land around it but if you don't own your house outright you may need or if you're a tenant you may need to get permission So if you are a tenant, you definitely need to speak to your landlord, check your tenancy agreement, because quite often there'll be a clause in there that says no operations of um, business from the premises. Even if you are um, a homeowner and if you have a mortgage or you have a part share ownership scheme on your property, it is always just worth checking all of your terms and conditions and just check for any clauses that may relate to not using your premises as a business. 
Moving on from that, look at your council as well. They have control over things like planning if you are going to be building um, a home salon in your garden. Um, For most of these types of buildings, there are no planning regulations any longer because they come under temporary structure. But if you're considering building something in brick, um, then you may need to just speak to them about planning. It doesn't hurt to have the conversation regardless what it is that you're putting in your garden it's always worth checking because if you get that in writing any problems further down the line you then have evidence that you have done your due diligence and you have checked one of the other things you may want to consider doing with your council is looking at whether or not you want to register as a business for rates purposes most home businesses would be zero rated or exempt um, and it may be something that you want to talk to an accountancy professional about as to the benefits of doing so and because it isn't going to cost you anything to be doing that with the council themselves however it may have implications for capital gains if you register part of your business as commercial premises so do check with your accountant on that the other part of council um, notification you may want to consider and in some areas this is a requirement particularly in London um, is to speak to the environmental health department or the licensing department around whether or not you need a license to operate in your area this is something that is coming more into fruition over the years and as I say now every London council has a licensing scheme for our industry or for the nail and beauty industry and um, and it's always just worth checking also if you do massage sometimes in some areas you may require a massage license to operate so do make sure that you check um, all of your local bylaws that would indicate that you need to be licensed and if you speak to them and you don't then that's great and you can carry on but do be aware of that Also, you will need to register with HMRC for self-assessment and most small businesses are not going to need to register for VAT if you're working from home. But um, obviously, if you're doing something like aesthetic, you know, and you're successfully trading, it possibly may not take so long to hit the VAT threshold. So do make sure that you are aware of what those thresholds are and that you work to either not go into them or if you do to prepare for them well. And we'll be covering that in later episodes, I'm sure. The other thing that you would need to be looking at as well is just your setup and your um, stock, your equipment and how you're going to operate within your premises and make sure that you can do so professionally and with good quality products and with equipment that, that shows your professional status, making sure that everything that you use is a standard product that you have your safety data sheets for all of your products and that any equipment that you use if it's electrical that you have suitable um, testing done on that on a recommended basis by your insurance company Um, that would be called PAT testing and um, and it's portable appliance testing just to make sure and it's usually on an annual basis that you just need to make sure that your all of your electrical equipment is working safely and that all of your wires and everything are intact And leading on to that mentioning, I think I just mentioned insurance there. There is um, insurance issues as well surrounding being at home. Obviously, you need to have your professional um, public liability insurance and treatment insurance to work from home. Same as you would if you were being mobile or if you were self-employed in a salon environment. But also you do need to double check if you have household insurance, you need to double check how happy they are for you to have what they would deem to be strangers wandering around your house. 
And I know when I had my home salon, I had to have additional insurance put on and they were very, very fussy about how many people I had coming through my house, even though they were coming through a side gate to my cabin, it still was seen that they were entering my property and they were strangers. So do double check. You will also need to take out contents insurance for your products and your equipment that you have which would be separate to your household insurance. I think many many small businesses make the mistake of this and I know many many years ago my husband who's in building trade we had our garage um, broken into and they stole thousands of pounds worth of tools and equipment and we couldn't claim any of it back. So do make sure that you do have contents insurance for your business equipment and stock and any cash that you may leave on the premises. Make sure you speak to an independent insurance advisor and they'll be able to inform you on the best ways for you to insure your business and maintain your household insurance as well. One of the other things that you need to consider, and this is all, it all sounds quite serious today, but there are there's so many implications to operating a business from home and some things that um, get overlooked. And, this, and actually what I'm going to talk about now is something I've seen on forums quite a few times in the last few days is um, about the ICO or the Information Commissioner's Office. And I've seen people believing this to be a complete scam, um, which it actually really, really isn't. The ICO is a is an official government-led um, organisation and they operate to make sure that we are protecting data. Basically, that's what they're there for, is to make sure that we are protecting our clients' information, our clients' data, our clients' payment information and everything that surrounds their time with us and anything we have written in digital form. But also, we need to be very, very careful with anything we have written by pen and paper too in that wonderful old-fashioned way. The ICO are the regulatory body that regulate the um, the GDPR policies that you see everywhere. You have to have a GDPR policy if you are operating on a digital platform. So if you have a booking system on your website, if you have a booking system that your clients operate via an app, you are holding their data. You are a data controller under the eyes of the ICO. Now to register with the ICO is a really simple process. You can do it over the phone with them and they'll guide you through the process. They may refer you back to their website to do it, but they will help you and tell you what level you need to sign up to. For the majority of small business, it's a £35 annual fee that you can set up to be um, renewable um, automatically so you don't need to worry about it. But it's £35 and it is a legal requirement. This is not something that you can avoid and avoiding it can get you into difficulty with the ICO and it is a proper proper legal, not scam requirement. So do make sure that you check that out. Also, one other thing that comes up quite often is about um, music licensing. This is something, if you are going to publicly play music, which is what happens if you're sitting at your um, home salon manicure desk or in your treatment room and you are playing licensed music, you need to have a license to be able to do so. That comes via um, an organisation that's... that represents PPL and PRS and those are the organisations or the, the initials of the organisations that represent musicians and people that play music but also the people that write the music so all of the songwriters and lyricists so that they get their royalties effectively and I know for a lot of people they feel that it is a scam but it is not a scam 
and um, and these these both these things we're talking about in here as you know you see regularly people questioning why but really and truly their protection mechanisms is all it is and PPLPRS is something that's paid annually and dependent on size of premises and how many chairs or how many rooms etc that you have you do need to pay a license fee and that for most people is usually above a couple of hundred pounds a year but if you have a large premises it can be um, going up into the thousands per year depending on how many stations you have but it's worth you know check these things out because you don't want to get caught If if you don't want to pay them then you know there are options now to choose unlicensed music there's um, if you are much more into your therapy side you've got iChill which is all unlicensed music and you don't need to pay for that and so there, there are ways around it finally today we're going to look at how you market yourself and how you brand yourself these things are probably one of the beyond all of the legalities and responsibilities side of things this is probably the most important thing and the thing that's going to take up most of your time to start your business we are an age of social media as we all know and most of our clients live on social media too some don't depending on your demographic but mainly people live on social media in some form or another be it facebook be it Instagram, nowadays TikTok too. There's just, there's so many different opportunities for you to connect with your potential clients. And it's more important than ever when you have a home salon um, or a mobile even, because you need to have a shop window. And your shop window is not on the high street. Your shop window is how you show up online. That's how people are going to find you in most cases. It's how you show up at your local um, shops, maybe. It's whether or not you build that relationship with other local businesses. You know, can they recommend you? And, you know, not necessarily having a full on affiliate program, but, you know, it's worth connecting with all those other local businesses who have got your potential clients there have you worked out who your potential client is you know and where they where they hang out this is some of the really really important stuff that we are going to cover as we go through um, the podcast so I won't go into it massively here because it, they, they take up whole episodes on their own but just you know just those little things to start thinking about who your client is where they hang out do they go to the local butchers do they go to the local play center with their kids where is it that they go and you have to start working out how to market to them and how to tell them that you're there how to tell them that they need to come to you rather than um, Jane who does nails down the road or Susie who does hair down the road or whatever it is you know you need to find your way of making them know that you're there and part of this is done through your branding so that you become a recognizable image locally so a good logo is really really important and you know there's lots and lots of logo um, builders and stuff online nowadays but it's sometimes is worth paying a little bit of money to a graphic designer to talk through who you are what you do you know what your belief systems are or whatever it may be or what kind of image you want if you want to be fun and fluffy if you want to be really serious and clinical and you know the ultimate professional you know and they they will help you they know they're used to working with lots and lots of different industries and they'll be able to help you build a brand image that will last and will be different from what else is out there and will help you stand out in a very very busy marketplace so do you know look at using I mean you know you can use Fiverr um, I work very very closely with um, a very good friend of mine Diane from Ensby Media and she does a lot of my graphic design and has done for many many years and you know and we always manage to come up with something that's a little bit different and isn't you know what every other 
logo looks like that you see on Facebook or on Instagram. Try and stand out, try and look different and just be consistent with it because it's how people recognise you. When I had my salon, we had um, the image, which well, she was um, colloquially called Gladys and that image was... Yeah, butchered a little bit from an image that we had from something that my husband had bought me a card. It's a really long story that I'll go into another time. But basically, Gladys was kind of formed by um, a graphic designer friend of mine. And she became like kind of the face of Gorgeous. And so where, you know, whenever, whenever anybody saw Gladys, they knew that it was about Gorgeous. And we had images of her on every piece of stationery, every price list, every... Um, piece of social media you know Gladys was always there so whether it's recognized by your clients that they're seeing it or not because sometimes they probably didn't even recognize that Gladys was there but it's a subliminal image and it's just it sticks in people's memories whether they realize it or not so make sure that you get your branding right your colors right you know just there's there's so in our industry there's so much pink um and although you know obviously it's a very female dominated industry and pink is a very feminine color although obviously historically it wasn't particularly feminine color but nowadays it is seen as a very girly girly color what with i think that's probably thanks to barbie but but you know do think about what color you know pink and rose gold although it is beautiful and i love those colors and i do tend to use rose gold in things where i can because it's one of my favorite colors but do think about standing out from the crowd a little bit and using color cleverly you know if you do love pink and rose gold you know see what else it can blend with and maybe have a different color as like your background color or something but do do something that stands out do some research into what color means to people as well because that's always really really interesting and uh, and if you're going to use flowers look up you know what flower meetings are and and stuff like that there's just there's so many things that you can do to kind of find a niche um, in color in words that matches what you believe in and what you want your business to be and one of the other things that um, I've noticed a lot in some of the Facebook groups that I am in currently is a lot of question over price lists and um, this is something I'm going to be looking at in detail um, and I'm going to have a little mini course available very very soon because there just seems to be this you know especially as you enter industry a there's lots of question over how much um, I should charge and what cost this is and what cost that is and you know Jane down the road or you know Wilma down the road they charge this that the other and should I be charging the same as them less than them more than them and this is something we there'll be a, we're going to do a full episode on costing your treatments and making sure that you you are charging your worth you know make sure with your price lists because this is probably one of the, the most common things that people have printed to give out to their clients make sure they're clear make sure you have thought about what your costings are Make sure that you've had them proofed and that there's no spelling mistakes and that everything lines up nicely. You know, presentation with this stuff is so, so essential. For most people, price list is probably going to be one of the first things that they have to touch and feel that relates to your business. So make sure what you put into people's hands says the right thing about you and your business and your services. I think we've covered most of the fundamentals, legalities and responsibilities of having a home salon. And uh, just like to say thanks ever so much for listening and hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. We are going to, in future episodes, be talking about all things business, about recruitment and uh, just working in the industry in different ways. Lots of different professional services people are going to come on and talk as well. I've got loads and loads of guests lined up. So you will continue to have bits of me 
just chatting away and um, and then you're going to have um, some interviews with some really really great people so I hope you'll continue to, to uh, listen in make sure that you've subscribed and please do like and share and comment wherever you can and uh, be very very grateful if you can continue to do that thanks so much and um, speak to you next week bye Thank you for listening to Inspiring Salon Professionals. And if you've enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe, leave a review and share with other industry professionals you think may enjoy the show too. For links and further information, you'll find those in the show notes or on my website, www.suedavies.org. You can also hear more from me and join the Inspiring Salon Professionals community on the Facebook group. Thanks again and see you next time. Bye for now.